Leicester and Derby, in Leicester, there sat a man who was lame. He'd been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laquanian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, they called Herms, because he was the chief speaker. The priests of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and reefs to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in the seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Archim and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Thank you, Zaria. That was well done. Um, We're, um, as a church, so if you're visiting with us, we're, we're in a sort of a very long series that we return to periodically to look through a part of the Bible. It's called the Book of Acts, and it's sort of after the life of Jesus and, and, and seeing uh, how what Jesus came to start, sort of he continues um, in all the events that we read about. And today we'll... we'll we're sort of covering off on the whole chapter in chapter 14, but I just want to focus on this one event that happened in this one place called Lystra. So that's what I'll, what I'll take you through. To, to begin with, though, um, I'd like you to look at this, uh, this quote. And Mike, I might get you to just get me on that. There's some setting there that... There we go. Thank you. Now it works. Yes, it is. Thank you. <laughs> here's, here's a quote that I, that I want you to look at and I'll read it for us. There is a being on whom you are dependent and to whom you are responsible. I want to suggest to you this morning that every human being knows this or suspects this. There's great disagreement amongst all of humanity over history about who or what this being, and some would say beings, maybe 
who they are. Great disagreement as to what humans' responsibilities towards this greater thing or beings are. We, we don't agree with that, but I think it's safe to say that all of us in this room would agree with this statement. We know that there's something or someone out there and, and in some way we as humans are responsible to that someone. I think that's just the way we're wired and, and that's, that's partly why we see the phenomenon of, of religion in the human experience. It's because we know that this is true. Now come with me this morning. I want to take you to this town called Lystra. That's this next town in the, in the, in the early Christian's journey to tell people about, about God. Lystra was this... Um, uh, where's my map? It's a basic map, but here it is. It doesn't quite show it on this map, but it's, it's, it's a bit out of the way. It's quite elevated, up high, gets very cold. And like most places that are a bit isolated and it gets very cold, often people get a bit weird. It's a bit like Latrobe, <laughs> isn't it? It's good to be back, isn't it? Strange things happen in these places. I, I don't know if the people in this room were all that weird, but it, it strikes me as a, as a little bit weird. Here's one thing in their, in their history that was very interesting. Um, every kid who grew up in Lystra would have known this story. Way back in their history, it was told, once upon a time, Two messengers came to Lystra and uh, they sought a place to stay. They were looking for hospitality to be put up. But in fact, they got cold-shouldered. No one wanted to put them up except this old couple, elderly couple. And after they moved on, so it was told, legend has it, that uh, there was a great flood that destroyed Everyone in the town except this elderly couple who actually became very wealthy. The conclusion was that the two strangers who came to town was actually the Greek god Zeus and his spokesperson Hermes. So Greeks had many gods and Zeus was the main one and the one who represented and spoke on his behalf was Hermes. And so... Here comes to town these two people, right? This is how this reading that Zaria gave us went. Paul, Barnabas. There's this wonderful encounter where, where this lame man is healed and Paul is this speaker who speaks on behalf of Barnabas, who's presumably the older, the older guy. And, um, and, and what do you think the conclusion of the people who lived in Lystra, I'm going to call them Lystrians, were. Well, of course, this again is Zeus and Hermes, and this time we are not going to make the mistake that we made in history, or at least 
as the legend was passed down to us. We will not get flooded again. So they go to Paul, they go to Barnabas, these two Christian people who took the message about God, and there's this cacophony, almost this, this riot kind of scene where they want to sacrifice to them and straight away go up and, and worship them. Now that's the scene that we're in. It's, it's weird. It's strange. It's like nothing you've really encountered in the, in the story of Acts up to here. You know, there's no Jewish people here. There's nothing familiar to the story. It's, it's totally a new game, right? And now I want to tell you this morning that we see two things about what, what the response is because Paul, one of the two Christians in this story, responds to this whole idea of them wanting to sacrifice and worship them. We see two things in his response. We see something about seeing God and showing God. Seeing God and showing God. Let me take you through those two things. Here's the response. Ooh, no, where's the Bible passage? It's not there. Did I put a Bible passage on? This thing's playing up. All right, I'll go backwards. Yep, okay, there we go. All right. No, I'm playing up. Here's the response. Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things, Zeus, Hermes, to the living God who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. That's what he says to them. At the moment when they're about to sacrifice to him and Barnabas. Now that's a good response and I'll tell you what we can get from that in a minute. But do you know what's very interesting about that response? Not, a, not, not, not what's there, but what's not there. What is he not saying to them? Yell it out at me. He's not saying to them, hey, hang on a second, it's not me you should worship and offer sacrifices to, it's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus who came to die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin. He's the one who you should worship. Very interesting, isn't it? Don't get me wrong, I firmly believe he shared that with them probably the day before and no doubt and the days after and, and made that very, very clear. But it's not, it's not what he says here in this heated moment. I think that's very significant. Very significant. And here's why I think it's significant. Let me apply it to you and me, perhaps today. And, and, and this may be very much you today. Some of you are very confused about all that there is to know about the Christian faith. You know that something deep in you suspects that, yes, there is a supreme being, there is a someone 
to whom you are responsible and you even suspect that he can do something about your greatest desires, hurts, longings, guilt, shame, all of it, and you sort of look towards the church, you sort of look towards the Christian faith and you hear there quite a lot of things like Jesus who died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin and who was raised so that you may be filled with God's Spirit so that you can be adopted to be in a living relationship with the Almighty God to whom you can pray and in whom once at the resurrection and the new heavens and the new earth you'll be living eternally forever in a world freed by sin and you go, whoa man, that is just so much. Maybe this is not for me because this is a lot of stuff. I don't know. If I, if I can't wrap my head around that, maybe this is not for me. I think it's significant that Paul recognises where these Lystrian people are at with their understanding of who this great supreme being is. And he's not expecting them at this point to know more about God than what they can know now. He doesn't take them right here, right now to the full story of who God is and what he's like. He, he, he just does a step at this point. Love what he says to them. He, he's quite open. He says, Zeus, Hermes, they're not going to hit the spot for you. They're not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is the one living God. Here's what he's done. He's made everything that is around you. He's shown you kindness by giving you rain from heaven, crops in the seasons. He provides you with plenty of food. He fills your hearts with joy. Look at what is around you, he says, and in it you will see God. You will see already just in that something of who he is and what he is like. I stalked some of you this week on Facebook because I was let out. No, I stalked you while I was in isolation. I I looked through some of your photos on Facebook. Some of the things that people post. Well, I don't know what happened there. That that was a Hungry Jack super stunner meal that Ryan and I shared on Tuesday afternoon for lunch. You know what these things are? It's the living God who made this, who gives you the food that you eat, the air that you breathe, the joy that you feel. It's Him. See Him in that. Maybe maybe that's where you're at today. You're here You're looking at church, you're looking at God, you're looking at faith, but it's all a bit much. I want to just reassure you that that's okay for now. That's okay for now. I mean, you will say to me, yeah, I also see around me a lot of stuff that's not right. I see a lot of hurt, a lot of chaos, a lot of brokenness, a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. And that is the reason why you will have to grow on to see God in the cross 
of Jesus. Where you will see him in the midst of your suffering, your pain, your brokenness. And you will find your hope in his resurrection. For your f- That is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. Do not get me wrong. But maybe you're not there yet. Can I encourage you, on the one hand, to say it's okay? Sit where you are for now like the Lystrian people. But keep progressing. Keep coming to church. Keep meeting with your mentor if you have one to try and untangle this whole thing. Keep, if if prayer is the thing that you're starting to get into, to simply ask this supreme being, this living God, to show himself to you more in a deeper and a more powerful way. He will. (laughs) He will. It's what he does. See him around you and eventually move on to see him in Jesus, see him on the cross, see him in your life. I think there's one thing we get out of what happens in Lystra. And then I want to move on to not only what we can observe here about seeing God, but also about showing God. Because I think there's a lot of lessons for Christian people. If you're a Christian, you know the purpose of your life to a great degree is that God wants to show himself to others through you. To your children, to your family, to the community around us. It's a great deal of the purpose of pathway to life. Showing God, and don't get me wrong, we we can't show God. God shows himself. But he involves us. I think we can learn something about what happens here in in this weird place called Lystra and what Paul, the Christian guy in the story, does here. Let Let me give you three things I think we can take from him and they'll be quick. These words to the to the crowd. Number one, sensitivity. He's very sensitive to where these people are at, right? Are we sensitive to those who we love and who we want to show God to, to go, this is a particular person is in a particular place and a particular stage of their journey with God and figuring out the supreme being and who they're responsible to? Are we sensitive? Paying careful attention where the hurts lie, where the anger lie, where the wounds are, where the confusion lies, where the falsehoods that have been passed down of Zeus and Hermes for generations are so entrenched that we're very sensitive to who it is we're trying to show God to. Not only are we sensitive, are we patient? If you're a Christian, I want you to think how long it took for you to come to a place where you could say, I see the living God in the cross of Jesus and his resurrection for me. It's not a general thing. It's it's mine. I own it. It's mine. Years. Perhaps 20 for me. Grew up in a Christian home, in church. What about if you didn't come from within the church? Patience. 
How we expect so often that, well, surely they must see and know exactly who God is. They've been to church twice. Maybe they just need to do a course. Do the course. And after the course of four sessions, then we'll know. They'll know. Surely, have encountered the living God. No. <laughs> it's not how God works. It's not how he worked with us. Why would he work like that with anyone in our life that we want to show God to? Patience. That we may have the patience of God as we sensitively love people and in a very uh, genuine way hold out who he is and exactly what our responsibilities are towards him. Right? Sensitivity, patience. Um, Purity is the last one, and with that I'll finish, um, or draw to a close. Uh, they, these two apostles, or, or Christians, who want to show God to this town, they do, do something quite drastic early on in the story. When, when all this whole sacrificing and worship of them is about to take place, they, they tear their clothes. This is what Jewish people did uh, when they were in a position where God the living God who created all things and shown you kindness, when he was dishonoured, or any honour that is due him was assigned to someone or something else, they, they, they in distress, literally, just ripped their clothes up. I wonder if, and I'm probably speaking first and foremost to my own ilk here, um, how many pastors in today's church would not do the same thing? How many churches' attention and hopes are diverted from the living God onto the leaders? Couldn't Paul, have, Paul and Barnabas have said, oh, you know what? Just let them do the sacrifice to us now. I mean, they need us, right? If we weren't here, they wouldn't know about God. Let's just roll with it for a bit. No. <laughs> Absolutely no. And, and how true is that of, 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 of God's people all times, everywhere, all places? The leaders, and that's true if you're a Christian parent, it's true if you're a Christian friend to someone else, you know what your job is? Your job is to lead whoever it is that you're leading and influencing to encounter the living God for themselves. You do not matter. That is your job. <laughs> stick to it we ought to confront leaders who will not tear their, tear their clothes who will obstruct their people getting to know the living God you do not need me you do not need any leaders or Ryan you need God you need to eventually come to know him what leadership looks like for us is not to serve you with advice and strategy and knowledge and all those things. No, our job is to lead us to pray. That's why we pray on the 8th and so forth. That is our job. Purity. Sensitivity, patience, purity. Those are the things I think we see for, for, for what it looks like to show God to others uh, as a church and as individuals. Let me wrap up by taking you back to the map. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to finish up next week with this.
current lot of sermons on Acts. Um, the journey goes here. These guys are at, oh, where are they? Lystra, and eventually they're going to make their way back to, via all these churches, back to Antioch where they set out from, and then they're going to go back to Jerusalem. There's more stuff that happens on, along the way here, but we'll, um, for the sake of covering off, skip over some of them. I do encourage you to read it, and uh, come next week as we sort of finish off this series with right back in Jerusalem where it all started at the end of what has by now become a very, very long journey of some years for, for, for the church as it, as it spread. All right, please pray with me. Dear God, I pray for each and every person here this morning who, who knows that there is something and someone there and that something or someone in some way wants to connect with them and there is meaning and purpose and worth and sense in that. I pray that you'd meet them right where they're at. God, would you show yourself and the things that you have placed around us to bear witness to your presence. May we see you in the food we eat, in the colouring of the leaves that will take place around us in the change of seasons. May we feel you in the cool breeze. May we see you in a sunrise and a sunset. May we know you as we sleep and rest. May we understand that all of these things are good things that you, the living God, gave us in kindness. Father, for those who see you there but are ready to see you also in brokenness and pain, Lord God, would you show yourself there in Jesus, in the cross, in the place where you removed human sin, brokenness, and in your resurrection where you gave ultimate hope. Meet us, we pray. As a church, as we journey onwards in showing Jesus, help us. Help us to know where to be sensitive. Help us to know where to be patient. Help us to know where we are and pure. More than showing us, give us the, the strength, the power, the ability that comes from you to be like that. We ask of these things of you in the name of Jesus only. Amen. All right, we're going to sing one more song and then, uh, and then I'll be back up. Thank you, guys.